Welcome back to the ATI Podcast, everybody. We got the whole gang here for our Colts, Conspiracies, and Killers series. We got episode three, the third edition, I guess, of this on the way. Hell yeah. For everybody, and we couldn't be doing it any better with anybody better than our old buddy Ridge Jackson back with us again. Hi, hi. Hey, thanks for having me on again, guys. How you been, Always, dude. Anytime, anytime. The brown sugar is strong with this one. And anything new with anybody here uh, going on? Uh, I just recently got back from a vacation. It's this really nice golf resort. Came back with some classified documents. Yeah, any nuclear stuff? Big orange guy gave it to me. Yeah, there's a little bit of nuclear contents in there. And Did it say attention Saudi Arabian government? You know, um, they did have something about the crown prince. Oh. This this guy named the crown prince. That makes sense. How many uh, ketchup stains were found? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a few McDonald's wrappers and a, a ketchup trail across every document. NPR in was fact, a... There was a bit of an imprint of a... A, a microphallus cock and balls <laughs> on the documents, but it was ketchup rather than, you know, like finger paints. Oh yeah. my God, dude. <laughs> was it Heinz NPR? printed on the side. I was going to say NPR was covering, uh, like, what was it, three or four Heinz trucks leaving Mar-a-Lago <laughs> after the search and seizure. So. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, beautiful. So we couldn't be talking about anything more comparable than another sociopath, and that's going to be... Mr. John Wayne Gacy. So John Wayne Gacy, of course, very famous. Everybody knows the name. Even if you just know the name and know that he killed a lot of people, particularly men, you might know some of the other big things that, you know, maybe inside of his house that he dressed like a clown, you know, so on and so forth. So forth. But we're going to give this the usual treatment where we give a little bit more details on the backstory in the formative years. And the people that, you know, kind of look at these killers and the psychology behind it and the sociology and why they may be doing the things that they do or try to understand it on some level but uh, that's going to be the goal today so mr john wayne gacy an american serial killer and rapist who took the lives of at least 33 young males buried an overwhelming majority under his house so other bodies were recovered in other places uh, such as the des plains river of course he's also known as the killer clown that's kind of his infamous moniker and had a habit of dressing in a clown costume and the makeup was typically very angular and of course he struggled with child abuse and homosexuality himself so very conflicted guy a lot of things going on in his past you know in the spirit of kind of how we've started these conversations in the past what's the first time you remember hearing about Gacy Ridge actually probably I was back in high school a friend of mine her mom they all grew up around Chicago area and apparently I remember her telling me that she went to like grade school with a serial killer or something like that oh, and it was john wayne gacy oh wow holy dude. crap so, i mean i don't know if that was true i 
probably was. I don't know. Yeah, but, that's a cool story, though. Either way, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so then yeah, learned a little cool. bit about what he did. How about you, Josh? I would say my mom was really into, like, watching true crime stuff when I was a kid. Like, you know, like the Forensic Files and Unsolved Mysteries and stuff. And I'm pretty sure that was when I was probably, like, eight or nine at probably at night watching a show with my mom. It's probably the first time I come across yeah. Gacy. And, you know, another thing is, is he's close to home. He's like a very close to home serial killer for us. So right. he gets brought up, you know what I mean? Like, especially with the clown stuff. So Definitely. I, I've heard it several times throughout the years. I think kind of my early memories, you heard the kind of the killer clown type stories, kind of urban myths, legends, that sort of thing. But a lot of that was bore out of what actually happened with Gacy and so on and so forth. So I want to feel, I feel like my pathway to knowing who he was and hearing about him was originally kind of through those tales that kids tell each other to scare each other and that sort of thing. But, you know, there was definitely some cinematic depictions. You know, he was on the news when he was executed. You know, that was about the time I was starting to pay attention to like what was happening on the news in pieces. Right. You know, I think 94 ultimately is when he was executed and, you know, it wasn't too far from the OJ incident and stuff like that. So that's some of my really, (laughs) you know, TV memories as I remember a lot of that stuff you know oh, definitely the white bronco going down the yeah. highway like that's something that's like burned in everybody my was brain. <laughs> yeah like i was at a counseling session actually they had a tv in the lobby <laughs> and my entire family and everybody else's families that was in there and the people that worked there, like the receptionists, all came out and sat around the TV. And nobody talked to anybody for like, it seemed like 20 minutes yeah. just watching it. They're probably like this. Like it was an event it. television. He did it. <laughs> he did it. Look at him. He's guilty. <laughs> he did it. Well, I think time has started to really make people believe that. Yeah. Oh, he's now made knowing. people believe that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Did he write a behavior. book? Didn't he write a book that was like, this is what I would have done if I did it or something like that? <laughs> yeah. and like it was like a really good like selling book for a while. Like this is no joke. Google this. This is for real. <laughs> I would have come out of the back and a slant with a handoff to the left. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I lost my glove. (laughs) But back to Gacy. So we're going to start with Gacy's early life. Gacy was born on March 17th of 1942 in Chicago, Illinois, as the second child and only son to John Stanley Gacy and Marion Elaine Robinson. John Stanley was an auto repair machinist and he was a World War I vet. His mother was a homemaker, his mother being... Gacy. So like a real all-American guy. Yeah, really, kind of, until you get to know him. (laughs) Uh, So Gacy was of Polish and Danish ancestry. Uh, His family was Catholic, and his grandparents actually immigrated to the United States from Poland, so he was not that far removed from his family, his lineage, you know, coming from other countries. So Gacy was close to his mother in particular and his two sisters, but he had a complicated relationship with his father, John Stanley. He was an alcoholic who physically was abusive with him and other members of his family. His father also belittled him calling him dumb and stupid routinely and openly favored John's sisters over him. So one of Gacy's earliest memories actually was of his father beating him with a leather belt for accidentally disarranging components of a car engine that he had previously assembled. Gacy's mother tried to shield her son from the father's attacks and his abuse, which only resulted in accusations that he was a sissy and a mama's boy and would probably grow up queer. So right, all American guy, right? Like the the all American dad for that time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, stand up citizen <laughs> in the community. Gacy's sister Karen, in particular, would later say that siblings learned to toughen up against the beatings, and Gacy, in particular, would not cry from his father's beatings. Despite this mistreatment, Gacy still owed his father and felt he was never good enough in his father's eyes. 
1949, Gacy's father was informed that his son and another boy had been caught sexually fondling a young girl. His father whipped him with a razor strap as a punishment. Allegedly, in the same year, a family friend and contractor actually began molesting Gacy in his truck. So this is, you know, about seven years old, if you're doing the math, when it started. And Gacy was always afraid to tell his father for fear that Gacy's father would blame him for what happened to him. So you can see where all this starts to develop already. You know what I mean? From a young age. Yeah, absolutely. And the psychology is just totally backwards. And based on what treatment he had received from his father, what else could he think, you know, right. was going to happen? Mean, I mean, he probably, would, he was probably, he was, he was already demeaning so much and that he and already thought that stuff. that's who he was. So you can see where his anger of young men actually starts, absolutely, you know, starts to boil. Gacy was very overweight as well and unathletic as a child. Gacy suffered alienation at school, unable to play with other children due to his congenital heart condition that he allegedly had. Gacy's father saw this as another failing because of the heart condition of course Gacy was told to avoid all sports in school and any physical activities so during fourth grade Gacy began to experience blackouts Gacy later estimated that between the ages of 14 and 18 he had spent at least a year in the hospital and of course that attributed to declines in grades he actually was didn't do very well in school shocker <laughs> he's probably too busy devising ways of torturing like he, and killing people he didn't even get his high school diploma but he somehow not. got into college right yeah which is wild to think and really it's going to get into this manipulation that he started yeah. to be able to master over the years mm-hmm. but yeah it's wild he, he didn't even have a GED or a high school diploma and, and actually went to college which yeah. is very unfair. how does that work well you're going to find out <laughs> <laughs> Gacy's interests included get this assisting the truancy officer in school Excelled in the Boy Scouts, constantly volunteered to help his teachers, and began volunteering the Democratic Party once he was 18. A real fucking square here. Hell yeah, dude. Good old Midwestern boy. Yeah. (laughs) So, Gacy's father routinely suspected that these episodes, though, that he was having with the blackouts back to that discussion, was just another effort to gain sympathy and attention. John Stanley openly accused his son of faking that condition, even on other occasions, even particularly when Gacy was in the hospital bed. His father was still making these accusations. Right. So it's it's just wild to think that that was what was going on in that situation. (laughs) Gacy's medical conditions were never conclusively diagnosed either. But as you go on to get to know Gacy as the character relaying this groundwork now, he began to be quite the storyteller as well. And even some of the officers and folks that interviewed him had speculated that even his own lawyer speculated that maybe he even made things up at that time that's where his you know but he could sell it right you know what i mean exactly yeah and so you know a lot with these serial killers too you see a dissociation where they start to create other personalities events moments this could be kind of that those early machinations too really right through all the uh domestic unrest gacy too realized that he was attracted to men and started to experience some great turmoil over his sexuality right one interesting thing about gacy is he never identified as a homosexual he had to be known as bi Mm -hmm. which is kind of weird it kind of goes in into the use of when we went back and talked about jim jones in particular it was everybody else in the world was gay he was yeah except for him well it it goes back to psychologically too though like 
it was probably something to where he didn't want to disappoint his father. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's no question about that. He had that attachment to that emotion as a child. Right. Talking about, you know, homosexuality or effeminity. Yeah. Talking about it in a negative light. Right. Next, uh, once Gacy becomes of age, we mentioned at 18, he, you know, you could think being in an abusive home and everything else that's going on with him, he probably wants to escape. Well, guess where Gacy goes? Gacy goes out west because he (laughs) wants to be a cowboy, baby. What a perfect perfect musical title. (laughs) Do we need to write a musical called Gacy Goes West? Yeah. (laughs) And the opening scene will be um, Kid Rock's Cowboy Baby. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do it in the vein of The Devil's Rejects. You guys have like the, 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 the triangle pogo eyes or whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. But they yes. got to be burnt. The tips, the points of the yeah. triangles need to be burnt with cigarette. And then chloroform burn around the mouth. <laughs> yeah. <A> little chloroform. <laughs> Yeah, we sell that to Rob Zombie. <laughs> Damn, he, he hears this. He's going to probably fucking steal it. Royalties, bitch. You better pay it. Yeah. Copyright. Lewis Incorporated. <laughs> as soon as Gacy was old enough and had the means to drive out west, he went to Las Vegas, where he worked as a moratoria attendant. Well, Here we go again. Go. We're starting to get that experience with the dead now. Fascination with death and dying. Now... Stories about this time and what took place out there, you have to consider what we're about to tell you is literally words from Gacy's mouth. So as you get to know Gacy, there's probably more to this story mm-hmm. than what he admitted to. Whenever Gacy had started to work there at the moratorium in particular, he becomes acclimated to handling dead bodies and refining his skills for post-mortem, post-mortem activities. <laughs> Uh, at one point Gacy cradles and caresses the body of a dumb dead young boy (laughs) dumb boy (laughs) it crawls up onto the table laying next to the deceased caressing his body god dude I'm getting so many good ideas for Gacy goes west right Uh, the incident shakes Gacy so bad that he calls his mother and asks if his abusive father will welcome him back home. Something about that fondling a dead body of a beautiful boy makes you want to go back home to mommy and your abusive father. <laughs> yeah, the psychology is definitely off. <laughs> Once Gacy returns home, he enrolls in Northwestern Business College with no GED somehow yep. and graduates in 1963. This lands him a job at the Nunbus Shoe Company, where he meets Marilyn Myers. So Marilyn Myers kicks off the next phase of his life. So this is his early marriage, early adulthood. After six months of courtship with Marilyn Myers, Gacy marries and moves to Waterloo. Uh, after Marilyn's father, he gets connected with him and he has fa- uh, Marilyn's father in particular. So his father-in-law actually purchased three KFCs and franchised them. So he offered Gacy a job to take over one of the locations in the Waterloo area. The offer at that time was so lucrative, he couldn't pass it up. So you have to look at it price comparison-wise. So what I'm about to say initially is going to sound very low, but you have to look at it by today's standards. So at the time that Gacy started working there in the 60s, his salary was $15,000 a year, but that would be equivalent to today's money of $134,550. Right, you're jumping on that. Today. Mm-hmm. You're doing that. Absolutely. But that's not where it ends. He gets a share of restaurant profits. And then, of course, that sweet, sweet, sweet discount on some KFC <laughs> oh, pieces. Oh, yeah. He's going home with a bucket every night. Right, yeah. He was drowning in buckets. You boys know it. 
Yeah, so I mean, I, I'll just be honest, man. Cha-ching, that's a you're going to be making some fat cash KFC, in this scenario. Hit, hit me up, boys. I do a lot of things for six figures. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. K, oh yeah. KFC definitely seems like the lighter side of the things that I would do for six figures. I do a lot I for would twenty dollars. So. KFC chicken for yeah. six figures. I yeah. would do things to me with KFC chicken. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you, boys. I'd stick a drumstick up my ass. Hell yeah! You know, six figures. Let's just be honest. We're really getting Easily. a lot of business ideas. Out of this. <laughs> <laughs> we need to start an OnlyFans. Yeah. To go with this, for sure. Gacy simultaneously advances himself in the Waterloo Jaycees. So he gets really involved in the Jaycees. The Jaycees at the time are basically just kind of a community action group. You know, and this is where Gacy starts to build up a lot of his political connections and things of that ilk. Uh, the Waterloo Jaycees, of course, is on a volunteer basis as well. So he didn't really get any type of salary. He really just got notoriety and people knew his name and... Those favors and would later. The JCs you know, are kind of like you know Lions Clubs or Elks Lodges, you know community similar, yeah, very uh, similar. community driven social groups basically. And somehow he was able to maintain these relationships and and go into these meetings and everything else on top of working his KFC job, which was like you know twelve to fourteen hours a day in some instances allegedly. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy to think that he was still able to maintain that socialite status. Gacy's wife then gave birth to their first child, a son, in 1966, and then a daughter in 1967. It was said that Gacy had finally won over his father as well. So think about all the things we said about him and his father's relationships prior to this. Gacy actually, supposedly according to him, again in prison in interviews, said that his father at this point actually came up, told him that he was proud of him, and shook his hand. Which is crazy to think that... You know, that happened knowing the relationship up to that point. Right, but, right. you know, maybe because he saw the success that he was, he was making a lot of money, you know, had a family. Role you know. in the community. You yeah, know what I mean? For sure. A kid who didn't show ambition otherwise, whether he actually had a medical condition or not, that's up for debate. But it's interesting to point out, too, back on that medical condition t- topic, nothing, he was never officially diagnosed with anything as no, well. No. So that's, that's the part of the speculation years later, too, that people believe that it was all made up. Right. Yeah, he's right. lying his ass off. Yeah. To get out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Easily. It was around this time, too, Gacy began his fat known fascination, that is, for entertaining young men, often underage, males in the basement of their home. Uh, and then Gacy would invite many of the teenagers working for him or to his family's home. So this is while he's the manager at the KFC. He's having, like, you know, youth parties at his house in the basement, mostly with the kids that work there. Yeah. At first, it was boys and girls. Everybody was invited, that sort of thing. But it, it, there became instances that the males started to linger a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Gacy would also, at these parties, infamously always show stag films, which back then, that's porn movies. But they yeah. were, you know, yeah. not really sold in the basis that they are today or consumed that they are in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, they were kind of a black market activity. Right. A lot of them were privately made. And there wasn't like porn studios or, you know, right. giant porn businesses that just... Again, 60s. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you have to get out the fucking projector and the reel. And I mean, it's. You're doing a service. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a job. <laughs> a service that goes terribly wrong at the end. So, this is where Gacy gets into his first known um, and official and charged and that sort of thing uh, sexual assault. In August of 1967, Gacy assaulted 15 year old Donald Voorhees. While his wife was in the hospital giving birth to their second child, this 15-year-old that he molested was actually the son of a fellow JC member. Gracie lured Voorhees into his house with the promise of showing him a heteros- heterosexual stag film regularly played at JC events. 
So, hey, it's nothing out of the normal. Yeah. We're just going to do what we do normally at, at these gatherings. Uh, <laughs> JC plied Voorhees with alcohol, allowing him to watch the stag movies, then persuaded him to engage in a mutual oral sex, adding, you have to have sex with a man before you have sex with a woman. No word yeah. if he, in fact, <laughs> was finger looking good, though. <laughs> <laughs> Did he compare to the buckets? <laughs> I don't know if he was original recipe, extra crispy. Ooh. Yeah, so no word on that. <laughs> Over the following months, it's believed Gacy similarly abused several other of the youths, including uh, one whom he encouraged to have sex with his own wife before blackmailing him into performing oral sex on him in particular. Gacy tricked several teenagers into believing that he was commissioned to conduct homosexual experiments with interests in scientific research and paid them up to $50 each. So basically prostituting <laughs> yes, teenagers. Exactly. <laughs> like without consent. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nuts. Without consent. Exactly. Without <laughs> consent with consent. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's in a very roundabout way. Oh man, he's weirdo yeah right. so in march 1968 Voorhees finally told his father that gacy had sexually assaulted him Voorhees senior immediately informed the police who arrested gacy and subsequently charged him with performing oral sodomy on Voorhees and the attempted assault of a 16 year old boy edward lynch gacy vehemently denied these charges they were acts of a political motivation and and you know retaliation against him and that people were trying to maneuver in the jc party and they were acting out against him in particular so gacy was nervous and so he said that he would do a polygraph test and the polygraph test read that he was nervous so that's usually an indication that you're lying on the polygraph <laughs> test right gacy continued to publicly deny any wrongdoing insisted the charges against him were politically motivated as i stated always somebody else's fault that's a theme that you're going to notice with him always uh you know some Somebody's out to get him. Often po politics are involved and alluded to in particular the way he voted. Uh, he helped somebody defeat somebody else. You know, just all this, you know, silly silliness, quite frankly. Uh, Voorhees Sr. had opposed Gacy's nomination for appointment as president of the Iowa Jaycees previously. Several fellow Jaycees even found Gacy's story to be credible and did rally behind him with support. You have to applaud the psychosis and the manipulation by him. And you're really starting to see that groundwork manifest itself very quickly. So on August 30th of 1968, Gacy persuaded one of his employees, an 18-year-old Russell Schroer, to physically assault Voorhees to discourage the boy from testifying against him in court. Gacy promised to pay Schroeder $300. Schroeder agreed in an early September of 68, lured Voorhees to an isolated park, sprayed mace in his eyes, then beat him. Jesus. Oh, yeah. my God. Voorhees escaped and reported the assault to the police, identifying uh, Schroeder as his attacker. They arrested Schroeder the following day. While initially denying any involvement, Schroeder soon confessed to assaulting Voorhees, indicating that he had done it on Gacy's request. Police arrested Gacy and laid an additional charge on him for hiring Schroeder to assault and intimidate Voorhees against him. On September 12th, Gacy was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation at the psychiatric hospital of the University of Iowa. Two doctors examined him over a period of seven days before they concluded that he had antisocial personality disorder, um, which is the clinical term for uh, psychopathy and um, you know pathological issues so and unlikely to benefit from any therapy or medical treatment and his behavior was likely to bring him into repeat conflict with society so this is an actual section of the report detailing Gacy's 
1968 psychiatric evaluation. This is a quote from the doctors. The most striking aspect of the test results is that the patient's total denial of responsibility for everything that has happened to him. He can produce an alibi for everything. He presents himself as the victim of circumstances and blames other people who are out to get him. The patient attempts to assure a sympathetic response by depicting himself as being at the mercy of a hostile environment. The doctors concluded that he was mentally competent to actually stand trial. So that was very important right. in right. all of that. That was his way out. Right. right. He yeah. was trying yeah. to angle himself into something. But back then they were even more harsh with those type of decisions. So on May 10th of 1968, Gacy was indicted on the sodomy charge. Gacy was convicted of sodomy of a teenage boy in Waterloo, Iowa, in 1968 and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Also, Gacy's wife petitioned for divorce immediately, requesting that she be awarded the couple's home, property, the sole custody of their two children, and alimony. The court did rule in her favor, and the divorce was finalized on September 18th of 1969. Gacy never saw his first wife or children again. I did try to look them up quickly, at least the wife, whatever happened to her in particular. Right. right. And the others not a lot of no talk. information on her right. in particular, uh, the first wife. None. Yeah, it's like a very private I'm sure I'm sure, you know what I mean? I mean And these these are his biological children too. I don't want to gloss over that. So he's got one boy and one girl. That are his children. Yeah, they're bi- biological children of his. So uh let's talk about his incarceration and imprisonment. So Casey quickly built a reputation as a model prisoner. Within months of his arrival, he had risen to position of the head cook. I think it was like within three or four months he was already the mm-hmm. head cook yeah, there. Work. He also joined the inmate JC's <laughs> chapter and increased its membership from 50 to 650 men in less than 18 months. Like I said, that's insane. So it's crazy, groups, baby. It's absolutely nuts. That oh. is insane, man. Holy Why do hell. people flock to nutbags? It's kind of the it's commanding a, is presence. Is it the theatrics? Yeah, for the, sure. It's got to be. Manipulations, I guess. It I mean. definitely has to be a factor. I don't know how it isn't. Yeah. And, and what's interesting here, here's another comparison we can make. Uh, Ted Bundy in particular. Oh, God. Yeah, if you have seen the Bundy tapes or anything, but he was very involved in politics yep. himself. Yeah. Yep. In Washington. And you can see he was, uh, who was it? Uh, Reagan? I know that there was a a president, I want to say, that he actually worked in their campaign. Yeah, he was in the campaign management office, I think, yeah. for somebody that ran. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's really connected to a lot of different political affiliations and organizations himself, right. but Casey is as well. And they're yeah. like the two, I mean, they're definitely in the top five, if not top three of most prolific and recognized United States serial killers. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, as when it comes to body count and stuff like that, easily, you know, in that conversation. Yeah. So the other things that he was able to accomplish while he was there, he also in- secured an increase in the inmates daily pay in the prison mess hall in particular, and supervised several other projects actually to improve on the conditions of the inmates. By summer of 1969, he had overseen the installation of a miniature golf course in the prison recreation area. Damn! <laughs> now you guys yeah. both working at institutions in the past. Oh, dude, you that's unbelievable. Talk about what he was able to accomplish as a prisoner. Like how amazing that is. To right, be that like, is amazing. Like that pay increase. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah. Top golf or mini golf, yeah, right, whatever right. it was in there. Like, yeah. That's 
That's pretty that, crazy. That, that is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Me and Ridge. Why both. can't he do more good stuff like that than right? Ridge, Ridge, yeah, Ridge has <laughs> worked there longer than me, but we both worked inside the prison system in uh, Missouri, and I'm telling you that yeah. it's pretty fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, and and he, you know, he went to prison in Iowa. So at the time, there there was a lot of difference, you know, mm-hmm. between here and there. A lot of places here in the Midwest, Illinois, which we'll get to talk about more so here in a moment. But yeah, so a lot of commonalities. It's wild to think. That he was able to get this all done as a prisoner. I mean, like yeah, you, even as incredible. a CO, you probably couldn't get all this stuff done. Oh, hell no. At a prison. Right. No. Yeah. So, Most of the time, I'd just get thrown out. Right. Yeah. Go home. Dock yeah. your pay. Mm-hmm. In June of 1969, Gacy was denied parole, so he did apply for parole to prepare for his second scheduled parole hearing in 1970. In the May in May of 1970, that is. He completed 16 high school courses for which allowed him to obtain his diploma in November of 1969 so he did eventually get that high school diploma through the prison system after which is a good thing to college yeah <laughs> after he already went to college yeah <laughs> unbelievable right <laughs> on christmas day 1969 gacy's father died from cirrhosis of the liver when informed of his father's death it is said that gacy collapsed on the floor sobbing his request for supervised compassionate leave to attend the funeral was denied people that knew gacy at this time did say that this is when the personality shift right. went into um, Yeah. A lot of experts would say this is when the, the actual branch broke. His father somehow was his linking change to, I guess, reality and somewhat of a normal life. I mean, yeah, he fucked around with a teenager, obviously, or two. Yeah. Uh, at least to record to this point, but nothing violent or killing or anything like that right. to this point that anybody knows about. Or of any sort of record. So a lot of, you know, psychiatrists, even after the fact I've seen interviews and stuff, they've said like, yeah, this is definitely the point that he severed that part of his humanity off was right after his father's death. After his father died, uh, Gacy did get, was able to come out early on good behavior. He only served an 18 month fucking sentence (laughs) of 10 10 years. years. Yeah. What the fuck? And had to have 12 months of probation whenever he was released. So that was it. One thing I want to make clear here too is anything that you watch on serial killers in particular from the 70s or previous, you really start to understand how flawed our criminal justice system was right. altogether. Oh, it was terrible. It was bad. And yeah. you think it's bad now. Yeah. Look look back at this time. Yeah. Right. Department didn't talk to department. Right. Even no sharing of county, information. Let alone state. Yeah. No sharing of state information, depending if it was a sheriff's department or city cop or FBI or whatever the case was, drug task force. Like, they had their little clicks, and they wouldn't even touch shit, yeah. you know, on account of it. It was, like, almost like a turf war My dad in some respects. actually told me, he said, in the 60s and 70s, if you killed somebody, like, literally all you'd have to do is leave the state most of the time. And that's why probably a lot of some of the serial killers in particular that we'll go on to talk about later were able to get away with what right. they were in right. the time that they were was because of incompetencies in the criminal justice program. Right. After his release... Gacy gets a second chance, so almost immediately after it, he picks up a teenager, though, at a Greyhound bus terminal and attempts to force him to have sex with him. Uh, Gacy was never uh, actually charged because the victim never showed up to court. This is, however, suspected to perhaps be his first murder. And if you think about the timing, just getting out of prison, although there's never been nobody found, this person never made it to the court that day. So, so they don't know what happened yeah, to this individual. Yeah, they feel it, but that's not really Gacy's MO as we'll get to know is how he does his killings. 
that would take a level of effort that he seemed to have never put into anything. Mm -hmm. So a lot of folks, you know, dispel that possibility as well. But yeah, so it was, um, he was never charged with anything on account of it. And regardless of that, had they been aware that he was on probation, which they weren't somehow, (laughs) he would have went back to prison because he would have went back to prison. Right. Yeah. And he does this once he makes it over, over to the Illinois side. So Gacy, or he did kill this guy and he realized, Hey, if I get rid of bodies, they're not going to catch me. Maybe that's where that all started too. (laughs) It could be very well. That's just speculation. That's theory. But anyway, sorry. A thing, especially at this time too, with the free love movement and everything else, there was kind of an awakening and people were getting a little bit more brazen with their sexuality and things like that. Right. Right. And promiscuous activities. So like in these bus stations in particular, you'll come to find toward these metropolises. Right. There's like drug use. There's teenage prostitution, prostitution of all kinds, quite frankly, going on. Yeah. Nothing good happened in a Greyhound bus station. Yeah. Yeah. Without question. (laughs) He does this once he gets on the Illinois side of things, of course. And how did he get there? Okay. Well, as soon as he got out of prison, he called his mom, asked for some help. Uh, his mom, who's of course still alive, his father's the one who passed, uh, helps him actually purchase a home, a ranch-style home in Des Plaines, Illinois. And this is a suburb of Chicago, so this is the infamous house that all the business goes down in. Mm-hmm. So he bought this house as soon as he got out of prison and never left until all, he got back in prison yeah, again. Had to go back so. to the second home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is where Gacy began his contracting business also, PDM. It was painting, decorating, and maintenance, but he would also jokingly call it to people in the community pretty damn messy, which it became a vehicle literally and metaphorically for his killings. (laughs) So after Gacy became a self-made building contractor, he entered the local Democratic politics there, initially offering use of his employees to clean headquarters at no charge. There is a actual incident where he was actually taking kids here to work and clean his workers from PDM. And one of the kids actually turns out he's a state wrestling champion. He invites the kid after long hours. I think they're doing it at like 3 a.m. in the morning or something like yeah. this. So he invites him back to his house to watch a stag film. So he pulls the old stag film trick back out. Once they get back to the house, he's like, you know, hey, I got this really cool rope trick. Yeah, the rope trick. Yeah, or cuff trick is actually where it yeah, started. The hand, was it the, I thought it the was handcuff trick. trick. It was gets first. to rope trick, oh, okay. but the, it was the handcuffs at first. All right. right. I, I actually think this is like, I know it's terrible and disgusting, but anyway, yeah, go ahead. This is pretty crazy. So he does this cuff trick to where Gacy would keep the keys with him and he got it artfully behind his back. It was just like a low level magic trick, yeah. essentially. So he would have the release. Where he would put it on somebody else and say, oh, see if you can do it. He'd slap the cuffs on, but take the key that people would get cuffed. And then he would do, okay, now you got to suck my dick. And then be like, ha, 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 ha. And then see, gauge their response and see if they would were acceptable to it or not. And then he would press it and then he would get serious. Like, no, you really have to suck my dick. Yeah, yeah. You know, to get these off. And, you know, so things would progress beyond that. Well, he did it with this kid that he took back on this occasion, the wrestling champion. And <laughs> the wrong the kid, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. He goes to try and lock in the kid's other arm and he wrestles the guy down and he's like, oh, haha, that's real fun. You know, Gacy <laughs> says to the kid, like, oh, you're the, you're the only person. And he wrestled him down well enough that he put the cuffs on Gacy and oh, Gacy damn. was cuffed up in the floor of his home. Yeah. He was like, oh, that's ha, that's funny. You're the first person that ever got me. So you knew he had done it times previous to this is the first time it was reported. Wow. You're the first person to ever catch me. And then was like, oh, it's all right. You know, like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stop this and, and, uh, we'll just go off to bed. And somehow he 
like like intimidates the kid into like sucking his dick at some point mm-hmm. and then like he's laying in the bed and apparently he was in there like petting him while he was sleeping in bed he woke up in the middle of the night too and like he left he continued to work for gacy but he never came over to his house anymore after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah he's Which like hell no dude i ain't going back to drink beer there no more it's kind of weird like at this time you might have had like that weird cousin or that weird uncle or something like that and people were just like oh he's strange stay away from him that's you know yeah like i think that was kind of the mentality with gacy was like, oh, he's just a little different, you know? Right. So, like, people kept excusing the oddities that were going on with him. But you think one fucking kid would talk to another. Right. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. did he stick his dick in your mouth? Right. <laughs> you know? Did he try to handcuff you and fucking put his balls in your face, dude? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Boys, pretty- if anybody around here is doing that to you, please let me know. I need his number. <laughs> <laughs> so gacy was all about with his community service he was awarded actually the norwood park township street lighting committee Mm -hmm. Uh, and he was just so happy that he had earned this title and then he also got the title of precinct captain for that chapter of jc's there again so he's getting all these political you know accolades i suppose is how you would put it and he's well liked in the community gacy organizes so many cultural gatherings too so like actually at his house he would throw theme parties he'd have all these wild extravagant extravagant parties like hawaiian themed uh, civil war they did one that was like founding fathers i think and there's like a picture of him wearing like one of those white powder wigs and drinking a beer or something yeah that's like how did nobody ever notice like this oh um, let's go over to gacy's for a barbecue What's that smell? That's really terrible. Nah, Nobody. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, don't worry yeah, about absolutely. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because he was well-liked, you know, again, this is why people overlooked a lot of the accusations and things that was going his way. Casey also engages to Carol Hoff about this time. So she's also a fellow JC. She's a single mother with two daughters at the time. So he marries her, adopts the girls in uh, july 1st of 1972 their marriage was characterized more as a companionship and friendship quite frankly yeah yeah i was gonna say that right it would be the situation that they perhaps loved each other at one point but they never were in love with each other Mm. yeah at least casey definitely wasn't with her one thing i read was like it was mostly circumstantial too like i think she was in a place and he felt some sympathy for her and was close to her and you know kind of took her in kind of situation absolutely there was definitely there was definitely an element of that and then it was also a desperation on her side. She was looking for that support for not only for herself, but for her daughters. So yeah, absolutely. Very good point. The romance was absent is what we're trying to say here. Mm. Almost from the start. Continuing to climb the political ladder and revel in the social light that he would become in 1975, Gacy was appointed the director of Chicago's annual Polish Constituation Day Parade. And this is a big deal in Chicago. Like, for yeah, you to be really. the president of this is, like, people know you. You know what I mean? Like, apparently there's a huge following for this in Chicago. And eventually he would actually routinely dress like a clown in these parades. So this is where he kind of starts the clown business and participates all the way up until 1978. And he actually supervised the event. So, fun fact. Through this work with the parade, Gacy did meet and was photographed with First Lady <laughs> Rosalind Carter, May 6, 1978. You can see the pictures online. Mm-hmm. We'll They're share hilarious. It we'll share we, it tonight. We will be sharing it uh, subsequently. Yeah. Yeah. You won't miss it. We'll be forcing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> much like Gacy. Uh, in, in the pictures, Gacy is wearing an S pin, indicating that he was a special person of special clearance. So they definitely knew him. 
He was given the pin with intent, with purpose. And in retrospect, you know, the real solution to the Iranian hostage crisis for him would have really been just to like drop Gacy back off there, really? let him do his work. And I really, you know, yeah. little gay sex, a little torture, little talk, know, little might have worked wonders. You know, especially with the Iranian people, the Carters really would have had a good connection. Yeah, for that. <laughs> uh-huh. Sounds like a solution to me. Definitely. By the middle of the seventies, <laughs> two more young males accused Gacy of rape. He would be questioned by police routinely, and you know others would disappear. Gacy would be let out uh, with warnings of all things. Gacy referred to this period as his quote-unquote cruising years. This is when he actually committed the majority of his murders. Another fun fact, Riding Along in My Automobile by Chuck Berry was the most requested song at the time for some reason wow. on the radio. That's pretty crazy. No, I just made it up. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this is, let's talk about the clown thing. I don't want to gloss over that too much. Yeah, let's right. get into the clown business for sure. So through this membership at a local moose club, Gacy would really become aware of his jolly joker persona that he would do in the clown club. Whose members regularly performed at fundraising events, actually, in addition to volunteering at the local children's hospital. Yeah. So uh, he was going to children's hospital on some occasions. And some people said like he was super dedicated to this like he was infatuated with pleasing children in hospitals think about it he was absent pleasure other than from the family friend right you know (laughs) yeah he he received no pleasure from anybody in his childhood right you know so he's probably trying to make up for that or live vicariously through these young children that he's seen in the hospital and it is you know it's important to point out i feel like even though it's kind of obvious by you know laws of subtraction i suppose is how i'd put it but gacy is not known to have messed with girls no uh, underage girls in particular oh yeah that was the safest place to have an like a child like yeah. a, a girl yeah. yeah and i think that you know looking at the ages of the, the gacy victims which i actually have a list of and we'll get mm-hmm. into none of them were under 15 i believe so not to say there's an acceptable age but again if he's doing this at children's hospitals i don't yeah. know that those sorts of things that Gacy was known. Yeah, yeah he wouldn't be doing participating in that stuff at the children's hospital so maybe some deaths at the children's hospital but doesn't seem to be the case yeah in 1975, Gacy did join the Clown Club, and this is where he started to develop the Pogo the Clown character and Patches the Clown, mm-hmm. devising his own makeup and own costumes for both characters. One was a happy clown, so that was Pogo, and Patches was the more serious character. One interesting thing about the clown stuff with Gacy is the makeup. If you look at pictures of all the makeup, uh, traditional crowns are round, rounded edges. You know, they're not really a- angular mm-hmm. in any way. The shapes his and were... the makeup. Gacy's were always Line jagged right. in triads usually. Yeah. Yep. Which if you Diamond actually, eyes. Yeah, if you look actually into you know, there's a there's this technique with filmmaking, it's called a uh, triadic composition. So mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. where you want to put a power trio essentially on the film. Right. And how you arrange the people on the frame. Yeah. That is a symbol of power. A triangle is a symbol of power. You see it on money in yeah. particular. Illuminati symbol. Right, you know, masonry. So there's there's intent behind using right. those shapes, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with somebody like Gacy, who's red to some extent. You know, I, I don't know if I full on call him well red, but he's definitely <laughs> got some connections, right? So yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, Gacy seldom earned money too from any of these performances, and he would act like a clown and actually really regress into childhood. 
it was said. Yeah. He would get very childish with the moniker, you know, the language that was being said in these characters. He performed both as Pogo and Patches at numerous local parties, political functions, charitable events, children's hospitals, as we mentioned. Sometimes Gacy would remain in the clown guard after the performance, go drink at the local bar, and return oh, home. Fucking what? creep, dude. So Gacy definitely did his whole shtick, you know, as far as killing somebody or, and all the sex little ex- exploits. You know, this is kind of, I want to mention too, this is kind of like the popular version that you right. see of Gacy in movies. Right. Like you see a Gacy mm. movie, it's him in a clown thing. I'm like, I don't think that that's actually how the majority of things happen, but it's just become an, another way to set himself apart and characterize him more. Right. And then, you know, those pictures of him actually as a clown are horrific. Looking mm-hmm. so fucking terrible. You know, it's easy dude. to be like, okay, this is an iconic image. Mm-hmm. This is Gacy. You get in this mindset of thinking this is him all the time. This is how he is. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, getting back to my first knowings of who Gacy was. That's how I was introduced to him. Oh, he's the killer clown. He's mm-hmm. got the clown. He was on the cover. Of their, they used a drawing of him on the acid bath cover. Oh, wow. Really? I didn't know that. That's cool. Uh, I got a quick question. Yeah. yeah. If you uh, walk into a bar and there's only one guy in there, but he's dressed up like Pogo the clown, what would you do? <sighs> I think there's other factors that matter. Am I already <laughs> drunk or high? <laughs> uh, uh, would you I go in fucky. and sit down bar for Well, but let's put it like this. Now, having read more about Gacy and watched more about Gacy, I definitely would not. I would no, avoid okay. conversation okay. for right. sure. Good answers, yeah. <laughs> At least not make eye connection. What about you? Uh, right. Rib would try to get his number. Bar and... Sit on his lap. Feel it out. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever the night takes us. The night is young. Good love. Good love. (laughs) The killer clown sometimes lured his victims with the promise of construction work or some other ruse and then captured them, sexually assaulted them, tortured them, eventually strangled most of them with his own hands or a rope. Years later, during the conversations with the detectives, while under surveillance, Casey discussed this work as a clown, remarking, clowns can get away with murder. Uh, Also, a lot of family friends I had read, too, had mentioned, or uh, neighbors, that he had said that phrase quite a few different times, so pretty consistent. Casey's first killing of record... Tommy McCoy, a drifter boy, wooed by Gacy and a little bit of reefer. When they went to bed together at Gacy's home, Gacy wakes up. He sees McCoy with a knife, freaks out, stabs Tommy to death, and coincidentally creams his jeans. Or lack mm, yeah. thereof. I'm not really sure if he was wearing jeans, but he definitely came. I just somewhere. see him wearing a fucking tank top tucked into his white whitey tighties. Yeah, definitely. I could definitely... That's a, that's a good image for anyway, sure. Anyway, go ahead. After doing so, Gacy realized... Afterward, that Tommy had actually just been up making him breakfast, had a table set for two. There was even eggs oh, frying. Man. Dude, he was into yeah. him. What the so fuck? he was actually into him. That could have been he, true love. Yeah. Funny enough, this is going on, I believe, at a, well, his wife is at a New Year's party. He's still married. His wife is at the New Year's parties. And he freaks out, of course. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what to do. He sat on the guy's chest and, like, stabbed him repeatedly in oh, the chest. Man. And he realized afterwards that Tommy was making him breakfast. And so, like, he panicked and just threw him in the crawl space of the home. Mm-hmm. So this is where the crawl space, where space part stuff kind of starts, yeah. too, of course. Gacy's second marriage is coincidentally starting to fail. Two years into their marriage, they already weren't having sex with each other. They basically called that off. Things were very strained. Gacy would appear, disappear most of the night, so this is his cruising nights. Spent a lot of time in his garage. He ended up finishing out his garage. There was, like, lighting in his garage. 
a lot of mattresses inside of his garage, just very oddly arranged. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, he would have his little after work parties and so on with a lot of the young boys he was inviting in there in particular. In Conversations with a Killer, the John Wayne Gacy tapes, you do hear often that young men had visited him there. Yeah. It was Yeah, the garage was not like only was it known sanctuary. by his wife, but it was known right. by the community. Right. Nobody thought much of it. Which is odd to begin with. Yeah, how how not? How could you not think that's strange? Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know. Additionally in the Gacy interview tapes on Netflix's Gacy tapes, he claimed to have told Hoff that he was bisexual, but Hoff thought he was joking. So that's mm-hmm. his prior his last wife, I should say. One day, Hoff found porno magazines featuring naked men and wallets belonging to other young men and eventually confronted her husband about where he had been uh, the night before and what's going on with their non-existent sex life. You think that's not self-explanatory at this point? <laughs> Told you he was bisexual. I got gay mags around. Gay men's things at the house. Yeah. <laughs> or men's things, I should say. It, sh- it should be pretty telling. On one of the tapes, you did hear his wife say, or Gacy explained that his wife was accusing him, uh, you know, why do you have these young boys working for you all the time and, and like this? And why do you hang out with them like this? Uh, was it something, was I to do something with the boys? I said no, and I was being accused of it all the time, so I just finally said, fuck it. If you're going to accuse me of so goddamn much, might as well go out and do it, which I did. There yeah. So there's another admittance by Gacy on tape at some point. Seen in archival media footage in the Gacy tapes, Hoff does recall thinking Gacy was sexually dysfunctional with women in particular. This is a direct quote. He wouldn't have much to do with me. He hardly had any sex, and he found it very difficult to have anything to do with me. As for his relationship with men, Hoff said, I was aware of what he was doing. He just felt he was going more for the men and not for the women because he could not function with a woman. Right. He wasn't sexually aroused by Mm. a woman. Right. The killing that Gacy finally gets caught and and it's not we're not going to leave things there but it's important in the in the timeline because this is where he starts to be surveillanced around the clock they're getting a lot of reports about a guy named John picking up boys the police sketches are looking exactly like Gacy they even like arrested him at one point and brought him in and just held him temporary yeah, and, and Gacy yeah and they just let him go another occasion they they arrest him bring him down to the uh, station and he calls one of his political uh hype i think he's like a city assistant prosecuting mm-hmm. attorney in another county or whatever he calls and he gets him released like he, because of his political connections right. all that stuff so he keeps getting out nothing going on and again no attempt in looking into his background well eventually because of the frequency of things going on they did eventually look into his background where did he come from they found out that he was actually accused of things within his window of probation as well that they should have charge them with but they can't because it's outside of the lines yeah. now and they really start to put the clamps on him so casey would like while he was being surveillanced invite police officers into his home and on <laughs> one on, occasion boys, i just made pancakes and coffee come yeah, on and get you some. basically what he said yeah exactly yep. don't and mind the stack of men's wallets i have over there. absolutely <laughs> or young so, boys wallets i have over there the police get inside the house and they smell what they know is dead bodies yeah they've smelled it before yeah. so unmistakably so then they go back and report what happened and they're like okay we got we got to arrest him for something what gacy <laughs> ends up getting arrested for initially is he gets pulled over well he, he's being surveillance entailed he pulls up to a gas station a gas station attendant and gacy starts getting really paranoid but they don't really understand why mm-hmm. and so gacy you see him hand off something to the gas station attendant it's just a child at the time too very young like under the age of 18, the gas station attendant. Yeah. He 
sells a minor weed in front of the cops. Oh, yeah, yeah. Forgot so that's that. what actually gets him yeah. arrested. So they bring him in and they start questioning him and they had already been in his house and smelled the dead bodies and all this you know stuff going on with kids mm-hmm. and missing people. And so this kid goes missing on December 11th of 1978, Robert Priest, who's 15. So this is a, in part of the pressure that the police is getting to start actually doing something with him in particular. Mm-hmm. It's reported to police that the boy was last seen, this being Priest, by his mother at the drugstore where he had worked before and said he was headed to meet a potential contractor for a contractor's job. So he actually told this to the girl he worked with mm-hmm. as he was leaving. His mother didn't even know because his mother showed up to pick him up like normally. And she says, okay, well, where is Robert at? And the girl worked and told her. Ten days later, the police searched Gacy's house in Norwood Park, Illinois, uncover evidence that he's involved in multiple crimes. He has IDs of missing people. He has a Wallets for missing people, school IDs, you know, driver's license, just various things, identifying markers. And oddly enough, a ticket corresponding with Robert Priest's photo reel that he had developed at the mm. pharmacy he worked at. So pharmacies back then did a lot of photo development and stuff. That yeah. was part of their business. He had given the girl he worked with his jacket because she was cold that night. The corresponding receipt was actually inside the jacket that matched up to the receipt that was in Gacy's right. house. In that while. And when they pulled the trash, the receipt was in there because he was starting to throw away shit that he was getting yeah. caught for. Right. Because they said he was really good. Or not really good. He was really bad about keeping mementos and trophies and stuff from his victims. So, like, even, like, tiny, like, weird stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Class rings. Tickets, movie stubs, right? Keychains uh, key or something. Chains, yeah, wow. yeah. So he did have little tokens. I don't know necessarily for all of them, but yeah, he certainly had yeah. some. They were photographed. So the police get a warrant to search his house. So it kind of starts out the evidence that they find gay porn, books about psychoanalysis, mm-hmm. things about right. homosexuality, themes about investigating homosexuality, things about uh, manipulation. They find dildos in various sizes and makes. They find all kinds of stuff. So a lot of paraphernalia. They find his stack film reels. One of the dildos was fucking huge. I seen a crime scene photo. Yeah, they were. It was massive. It looked yeah. like a fucking like it was the size of a plunger. Casey, all in all, um, they go to start looking under the crawl space, and then they find the remains of a few bodies at first. And they're starting to notice. Okay, we've got a human. We got a human trench here. Once they get down far enough mm-hmm. of remains. And they, they pulled a body out relatively intact at one point. Ultimately, they find 26 bodies just in the crawl space alone under Gacy's house. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, you know, another crazy story about that is I think he hired one young man to do some leveling in his yeah and yep. he got he went down there and realized the dude was digging in the wrong corner of the basement and like free because right, that's where all the bodies were buried yes <clears throat> and the person that he had do that work that you mentioned also had come back and the hole was already filled with concrete which is what he was supposed to do right in case he had already filled it yeah well come to find out they found three other bodies in around the perimeter of the house and that was one of the three bodies was found below the fire pit that was put in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he actually poured those remains into the concrete and then put a fire pit on top of it. Jesus. And who knows how many parties he had right. over that over. dead body right there. Yeah. yeah. Nobody knew it. Right. All in all, Gacy confessed to killing, quote unquote, about a 30 people. All in all, Gacy murdered at least 33 young men that we know of. His victims included people he knew and random individuals that he lured into the Chicago Greyhound bus station, Bug House Square, and simply just people off the streets. Mm-hmm. He'd promise them a job with the PDM. He'd offer them a drink or drugs. He'd offer them money for sex. Some of those victims he would grab by force, and he would just con into believing him 
as a policeman. He had a fake sheriff's badge. Yeah. He had a police light. He had an old Oldsmobile that he drove a black that he blacked out. And so, yeah, people thought he was a policeman on a lot of occasions. Casey usually lured one victim at a time into his house. Although more than one occasion, Gacy had done what he called doubles, and that's killed two in the same evening. Inside Gacy's home, his usual modus operandi was to ply a youth with drink, drugs, or anybody that generally that he could gain the trust of. Remember, he was really good at manipulation. So Right. At this point, he's a master craftsman. Not only has he been practicing his entire life, but he's read... You know, quite a bit well read in that area in particular. So mm-hmm. uh, he would often, you know, produce a, a pair of handcuffs and then say, I'm going to show you a magic, magic trick. Sometimes that part of the part of a clown routine is how he would preface it. He typically cuffed his own hands behind his back, then serendipitously uh, released himself and then would hide the key between his fingers and most often not show his victim how he released the hands, the handcuffs himself. And then whenever his victim was manacled, he would, they would be unable to free themselves. And then Gacy made an attempt at saying something like the trick is, uh, since you don't have the, have a key, you got to suck my dick or something like that. So, and he was like, and that's the handcuff trick. <laughs> that's the handcuff yeah. trick. It's like a the bad trick is, punchline. It's like, yeah. I, have, I have a key and you don't suck my dick. <laughs> suck my dick. That's the trick. <laughs> So having restrained his victims, Gacy proceeded to rape and torture his captive. He frequently began by sitting on or stabbing them above the chest and then uh, forcing his victim to suck his dick, quite frankly, (laughs) fillet him. (laughs) And he was a big boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Big guy. Big Big guy. Big guy. Yeah. He kind of looked like Randy from Trailer Park Boys, like spitting image. Really? Mm -hmm. Uh, Gacy would inflict uh, acts of torture. Onto these people, burning them with cigars, uh, making them imitate a horse as he sat on their back and pulled upon them makeshift reins that he put around their necks. He would violate them with foreign objects such as dildos, prescription drug bottles, and he would sodomize them in his captive. To immobilize his captives, he would shackle the legs and hands. Gacy frequently would actually even tie them together so they had to stay on all fours. And he was supposedly inspired actually by the Houston mass murders is where he got this idea. He also was known for having uh, verbally taunted many of his victims. And throughout their continued abuse, he would drag the several of the victims into the crawl space or have them crawl into his bathroom Mm -hmm. where he partly drowned them in the bathtub. And then after reviving them, enabling them to continue his prolonged assault. In instances where the victims had pleaded to be killed, uh, he would just say he was not done torturing them. And Gacy would make a statement to the effect that he would kill them when he wanted to. Right. Gacy typically murdered his victims by placing a rope tourniquet around their neck, which progressively tightened the rope with a hammer handle. So he would essentially create a noose, put a handle in there, and, and twist, crank it. And mm-hmm. twist it, right. That anybody that's ever seen a tourniquet made or has ever made a tourniquet's the same principle. Yeah. And he referred this as his rope trick. So he went from the handcuff trick to the rope trick, frequently informing his captive that this is his last trick and it'd be one last instance. In many occasions, he actually supposedly read from Psalms 23 as he tightened the rope around his victim's neck. So I pulled Psalms 23 to read what that is. And a lot of people will be familiar with this, but the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He make me me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. The rod and thy staff comfort me. So I'm going to leave that there. And a lot of people use this terminology, especially that are for capital punishment, beating your kids, that sort of shit, mm-hmm. with biblical background, spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah. A lot of those illusions are driven from the Bible, actually, and from this line in particular as well. And you've heard this commonly, exactly. even if you're not a religious person in movies, this type of prayer being had by people that are about mm, to die always, or go into a conflict of some sort. Mm-hmm. So occasionally the victim would actually compulse an hour or two before actually dying. Although several victims died by asphyxiation from the cloth gags that he would shove down their throats. Uh, he also used chloroform a lot. So that kind of came with its own issues as well. Mm-hmm. And actually all of his vi- victims were murdered between the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Um, except for his final two victims. Where he got a little too, you know, crazy priest being uh, on the latter part of that. Right. After the death, Casey would actually store the the bodies of his victims under his bed for about 24 hours before very, burying them in the crawl space. And uh, he was getting his use out of them, I guess. I don't know. I guess since he didn't collect Enjoyment. trophies or care about them, maybe that right. was his kind of way... I guess he was still trying to get it while he thought it was fresh. <laughs> Before it starts stinking. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of stinking and throwing them in the crawl space, he would actually pour quick, quick lime uh, on to decomposing victims. Uh, the bottoms, the bodies were actually even taken out in the garbage sometimes and embalmed prior to the burial because of him having that background and, and, and knowing how to embalm people. So back from his job in Vegas. So that like he literally picked up on all these life experiences, learned something, carried it over. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy to see how he was always laying the groundwork in his right. life towards this. Everything to facilitate his murders, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the speculation is that he actually, you know, started his killings earlier that people just don't know about it as well. Right. The priest murder, of course, ultimately is what led to Gacy's arrest. And one of those bodies, it was one of those bodies actually coincidentally that was not found under his home. You know, the 26 in the crawl space, the one surrounding the perimeter of the home. He was not the person in the barbecue pit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gacy had thrown his body in the Des Plaines River. Yeah. And so actually they didn't even find Robert Priest's body until April 9th of 1979. So like a whole year later, they found his body and it was tangled in some roots at the banks of the river is where it was discovered. So I wanted to get into some of his victims, and I'm not going to read the whole list. You can actually go on Wikipedia. The 33 known or thereabouts victims, excuse me, they they actually have the names of all the victims and ages. I just wanted to do a quick scan down this list because earlier I said I didn't think anybody was younger than 15, but there are a couple occasions of 14-year-olds. So Samuel G. Todd Stapleton was a 14-year-old, as well as Michael M. Marino was a 14-year-old. So yes, he did go as young as 14s. Actually, whenever you get on here, you can actually see which body number they are and the count of what they have found. Uh, Oddly enough, the murders are obviously date from 72 to 78 and they actually have listed where they found the bodies as well. So there's a gentleman called Daryl Julius Sampson. He was 18 actually. So of age on this occasion, he was body 29 and he was actually found in the dining room. So that's one of the few inconsistencies in kind of what his normal modus operandi was. But that was the concrete patch. I think infamously that they refer to Mm -hmm. inside of his house. Yeah. That where they event eventually led them into finding some other bodies. So that was a body that actually Gacy gave them in the interrogation. 
Ooh. Uh, whenever he was interrogated, he told them exactly where that was at. So let's talk about uh, Gacy's trial, where he went to jail at, where he was eventually killed at by execution. Conviction for 33 murders by one individual, then covered most of the homicides known in the United States in legal history at that point. Casey was sentenced to death on March 13th of 1980 on death row at Menard Correctional Center. He spent much of his pastime painting. Yeah. Which is not that far from here. Mm-hmm. Menard Correctional Center. On the morning of May 9th, 1994, Casey was transferred from the Menard Correctional Center to the Stateville Correctional Center in Crest Hill. So that's where he had his execution. That afternoon, he was allowed a private picnic on the prison grounds with his family. For his last meal, Gacy ordered a bucket of KFC, (laughs) a dozen fried chicken, a dozen shrimp, french fries, fresh strawberries, and a Diet Coke. (laughs) I'm going to go out like that. Yeah. Shit, dude. That evening, he observed prayer with a Catholic priest before being escorted to Stateville Execution Chamber and received a lethal injection. But that's not where the story stops. Oh, yeah. He has a brutal execution. Before the execution began, the chemicals that they use to affect the evacuation solidified unexpectedly. It clogged the IV to the tube, and they weren't able to administer the chemicals in a Gacy's arm. This complicated the procedure. Blinds covering the windows so the witness, witnesses could observe were drawn. The execution team replaced the clogged tube, then 10 minutes, and then the blinds were reopened. The execution resumed. Mm-hmm. The entire procedure took 18 minutes. So that should have been just a matter of moments and yeah. it ended up 18 minutes. Anesthesiologists blamed it, the problem on prison officials that were inexperienced at conducting an ex- execution. This error apparently led to the Illinois adopting an alternative method for lethal injection, actually in particular. On this subject, one prosecutor at Gacy's trial, William Kunkel, so this is the this is the guy who like infamously Kunkel's famous for he took a piece of the floorboard in Gacy's house at the trial and threw it at the jurors and said it was, and it was actually torn out from the hole, the manhole that they went into, yeah. into the crawl space to find. They actually tore that out of the house because they were demoing the house, like the oh, community made damn. them. And he saved it and he threw it at the jurors at the trial, slammed it on the table and said, don't respect his life because he didn't respect the life of 26 men that he put inside that hole. Uh, that's, that's a powerful. about some fucking theatrics. Yeah, dude. that's a fucking awesome. powerhouse move. Yeah. Dude. And uh, he went on to say that he's going to get a much easier death than any of his victims. Mm-hmm. Supposedly infamous continued that phrasing uh, when interviewed about this. So according to published reports, Gacy was actually diagnosed with psychopathy uh, and and did not express any remorse for his crimes. His final statement was made by made by his lawyer before his execution <laughs> that killing him would not compensate for others loss mm-hmm. and the state was murdered murdering him and then his final spoken words were kiss my ass kiss my ass <laughs> that's a typical oh. uh, gacy statement so may 10th 1994 death by lethal injection in stateville correctional center the cases have been reopened on several unidentified bodies of Gacy's victims, so some of them were so decomposed. Now, with advancements as of October 2011, they reopened. The Cook County Sheriff's Department reopened profiles, getting DNA evidence, and going back and actually finding some results on some of Gacy's business that took place back then and and actually bringing some comfort to these families, some closure to these families. I actually did see, too, there's a company in uh, California that's doing uh, genetic genealogy to try to figure out who some of his uh, victims are. So that's cool. That's cool cool that they're donating their time and resources for that. 
the tests that they actually started to conduct did identify positively three victims that were dated in the 72 to 79 range and uh, otherwise would have been cold cases and never solved. So I, I believe actually they've found one since this information was published because that was revealed on the Gacy Tapes documentary that they actually just in 2019 identified another one of his victims. Ooh. So they have identities, I believe, on all, if not just short one now of all of his victims. So yeah, they've come a long way with DNA testing. They actually did the same thing with Bundy, infamously, because yeah. some of his victims and where they found body dumps and stuff buying them, mm-hmm. they couldn't cooperate with anybody other than dental records previously, and those were limited as it was if you didn't go to the de- dentist, you didn't have records. So right. So yeah, it's it's pretty wild to take that all the consideration, and uh, I, I think there will be more. Um, there are still some identified victims. They go into talking about the five initially that were unidentified and kind of the history of them, where they were found out, the ages that they speculated them to be between. The difficult thing about finding a dead body, especially after time has passed, it's almost impossible to age them other than like bone size right. clothes that they were wearing at the time, things of that ilk. It's, it's not, you can get a window right, but you can't get the specific age right, typically. Right. Let's recap what we've talked about today. Who have we talked about? John Wayne Gacy. What have we talked about? The murder rate and sodomy, often statutory in nature. Bodies in the crawl space, three in the surrounding property, four found on the river. This makes 33 total. So Waterloo, Illinois, and Des Plaines, Illinois, Chicago area, and, the, and its suburbs is where he did all of his bidding. Uh, Waterloo, of course, uh, was during the first marriage, and then the Chicago slash Des Plaines stuff, second marriage and post that late 60s into the late 70s was the decades. So that was the time period that, you know, it kind of started with the sexual assault stuff in the 60s. He went to prison, got out, then continued on to progressively, I guess, murder, kill people. Yeah. So really, uh, other than that, why did he do it? We've got some theories. I mean, they've talked about quite a few different things today. Why mm-hmm. do people do awful things? Right. Uh, it's clear that Gacy was a product of his environment. It's fair to say he suffers from some sort of mental illness. There's definitely a factor there. Uh, societal pressures, religious oppression, surrounding his sexuality and his interests in men. Maybe this murdering people was manifesting his angers, his repressed angers and frustrations from childhood. Right. Childhood abuse, childhood molestation. He was a victim of it as well. So right. mm-hmm. it's hard to say that it's kind of the perfect shitstorm for breeding a serial killer and... Well, you know, there's oh, been definitely. a lot of studies since and, right. and theories made that, you know, people are born with the capabilities to do so. That's as what it I was going right. to say. Like, the question is with serial killers is how does somebody get to that point to where they're capable of committing those types of crimes? And the thing is, is like, like the question is, is are we all capable of doing that? And our psychosis plays a role in that? Or is it just certain individuals? That's the question for me. Like, do we all have this ability deep locked in, hidden within our humanity, and we're just driven to that? Or yeah. Keyword, humanity. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where you find a lot with these varying silly killers, the types, is where did they lose their link with humanity? And again, mm-hmm. this in, G- in Gacy's case, it all goes back to his father dying. Right. Yeah, that broke. Why of all people, his father, because his father was the absolute shits to him. But he was always trying to please his dad. Yeah, he was always trying and to. And I'm pretty sure that's probably what drove him yeah. even through his murders. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like No he, question. Yeah. So He's like, my dad's dead. That was my only link left. And right. it's gone. Yeah. Who cares now? Right. Which I just. Let the demon out. He was just obsessed with winning over his father's a favor. 
Not even his affections, just his favor. Just his yeah. favor. Just his good look, like a good eye on him. You know what I mean? Just that handshake. Good old country handshake. Mm-hmm. There ain't much better, especially if it's below the waist. That's my favorite type. <laughs> so Gacy, guys, you think we did him justice at least a you know a bullet points expedited version? Yeah. Anything else, Gacy yeah, wise, so. Gacy stories? We think we need to hit on. I actually did come across something doing some research last night that I thought I was pretty wild and relevant. Oh yeah, let me tell uh, me about that. Let article. me pull this up while you're pulling that up. I'm actually going to talk about so what we have in the works for next week. Next week we're going to have episode 31. This was episode 30. Oddly, Ooh. it seems we've already been doing this for 30 Ooh. weeks. It's hard to believe that. <laughs> yeah. Quite the achievement compared to our, our initial run where you got twice as many. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, so next week's going to be episode 31. It's going to be The League, an ATI podcast fantasy football, football special. Hell yeah. ATI podcast fantasy football We're draft drafting. special. We're drafting live, right? Yeah, yeah. drafting live. Yeah. Tune in for that. That's going to be yeah, a it, lot of fun. Anybody that's in the league that actually wants to take part of that, um, we're going to obviously we're going to stream it live yeah. when we record yeah. but you're also going to be in the episode if you join us on the stream so if anybody's interested in that's playing in the league that's interested uh make sure you reach out to me or barrett so we can get you guys yeah, studio well, i think what we'll do is try to get a group message going see if anybody wants to participate i'll throw the link in there if you want to hop in briefly hop in the whole time yeah but uh, and we'll do our best to include you in on the uh you can definitely be on the live cast and that sort of stuff but uh there are chat features if you just want to chat in twitch we're going to be in the draft room so you can chat in the draft room too mm-hmm. so so there's other avenues to communicate and so on and so forth. But I think that'd uh, be a fun episode. Yeah, I think so. Oh, even if you don't different. know anything about it, right? And uh, we'll try to we'll try to throw in some stuff here and there, uh, some news and notes uh, about the people that's being drafted and and so on and so forth, and try to make it a little entertaining. And uh, I'm sure there's you know people are gonna show their ass and have have a good time. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But we've got in the league, we've got Josh, uh, myself, Ridge, Brandon, who you've heard on the show routinely as well. Uh, Jake Jackson, who's been our next most frequent in person on the show. Yeah, my brother. Ridge's brother. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be in the league with us as well. And then we had some invites, uh, some of Josh's former co-workers and listeners yeah, of the yeah. show. They listen to the show, so, yeah, so they were interested. We've got Zach and Mark as well as... Uh, Tyler. Tyler. A guy named Tyler okay. I used to work with. So, so that, that's our league. We're doing a league of eight, and uh, we'll be drafting at 7 p.m. sharp next Thursday, which is September 1st. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be live on Twitch at that time. If you want to watch the live feed, no worries. You can hear us after the fact. Uh, and then after that, we're going to be having Slide from Philadelphia. That's the shoegaze band that's on the rise that we've been talking about. They're fucking fantastic. They actually yeah. just got yeah. filmed by Hate Five Six, and if you follow Hate Five Six on social media and stuff, kind of the Gonzo video shooting of you know live shows, it's getting very popular. A lot of bands get discovered on their feed, but they do a lot of classic people. Actually, Rage Against the Machine just hired him yeah. to tour with them and document oh, their tour. Damn, badass! Yeah. Dude. So he's blowing up, and uh, they by the they way, just dude. did a filming at their show last Tuesday. Uh, slides oh, they're uh, fucking five six their fucking set right now on their tour is insane like yeah. the red flash with the big the big screen in the background and all that oh my god dude takes me back to like the rage <laughs> oh yeah. yeah the rage yeah. shows yeah for sure yeah, yeah. it looks well but yeah so we're gonna be live on twitch with them on uh nine eight so that's uh two weeks from tonight if you're watching this live and and one week after the first so we'll be back 7 p.m again will be the live cast time for them we're going to talk to two of the members of the band, talk about what they got going on, what's 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 in the works in the future, where you can find their music at, you know, the usual stuff. So 
Josh, let's share that article that you came across. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I actually got this from Investigation Discovery, which, you know, they've run several documentaries and stories about Gacy. So you guys can check all that out if, you know, you want to. They got, you can download the app on Roku or on your phone or whatever. But anyway, um, there was a serial killer cult leader that was actually connected to Gacy. And his name was Robin Getch. And he was the leader of a satanic cannibal serial killer cult known as the Chicago Ripper Crew. He actually worked for John Gacy um, when he was younger. Let's see. Let me read the whole thing. It says, After being sentenced to death in 1980, John Wayne Gacy actively studied law at the Menard Constitutional Center in Chester, Illinois. He continued to maintain that at least 28 of the murders had been committed by employees who had keys to his house. That claim seemed implausible until it was revealed later that Gacy had at least one hired handyman, Robert Gash, to work as a subcontractor around his home. Gush, it turned out, was the leader of the Chicago Ripper Crew, a four-man gang of devil-worshipping sexual sadists who raped, tortured, and cannibalized victims, often prostitutes, that they either picked up off the street or simply grabbed and forced inside the group's vans. The Ripper Crew is suspected of the disappearances of 18 area women through 1981 and 1982. That's wild, so a little killer layover. They call Robert Reich the the son of Gacy, so... Uh. Yeah. That's pretty wild. So I figured I'd throw that on you boys for a closing. Yeah. Yeah, that's killer. So maybe we get on to them. I don't really know much about them, so it kind of makes yeah. me yeah, interested. Yeah, I want to look them up. That sounds <laughs> really <laughs> wicked. And no relation to Joe Gacy on NXT, by the way. Right. If you guys watch NXT. <laughs> actually, I had to ask Barrett. Bridge, you were here, but I actually had to ask Barrett about that because I was telling him I was doing research and I was like, dude, who's this wrestler that like is like playing the serial killer card like this? And I was calling him Jeff Gacy and he's like, are you talking about Joe Gacy? And I was like, Googled it and I was like, yeah, it's Joe Gacy. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really think he looks like him at all anymore. No, no. They're definitely trying to allude to that whole business. <laughs> so, hey, guys, don't forget about the merch giveaway, giveaway that we got going on on social media. We are actually, during the draft, going to announce the winners. Yeah, so get you some so, free shit, man. So subsequently, we will uh, post it on the socials after the draft's over with. But, yeah, so make sure you like, share, and comment in doing so, tagging a friend on our posts with regard to the merch giveaway, we're going to do it again to get a final push and get some people out there. And of course, that is the trucker hat with a sticker and button. You can get a stainless steel cup with sticker and button, or you can get a coffee mug with a sticker and a, and button. a button. So check it out. We're we're this is our first initial run of some merch stuff. We're trying to do some giveaways, get get some free merch out to people. So mm-hmm. give it the program. Yeah, it's all really sweet looking. Yeah, it all it really all turned out great. So mm-hmm. check out waxing on with RJ. Yeah, he's on the Instagram, and of course you can and find those posts as well on the the Facebook community group that we have ATI Podcast Community, where we're sharing a lot of content, not just us, but former guests of the show are sharing stuff and uh, you know political happenings in the area. You know, like the last few posts that I put up, for example, I posted about the silica mining that's going on. Riverfront Times did a piece on yeah, that. which is bullshit. And then also on the recreational cannabis that's coming. Yeah, yeah guys. Coming yeah. Um, yeah. Rec- like, mm-hmm. make sure you study Prop 3. Or what is it called? Prop, prop 3. Yep, yeah, Prop, prop three. 3. Yeah, make sure you study that. And um, yeah, get out there in November. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah even if you're not a yeah. political person, this is a good time to get out. It's beneficial for everybody involved. 
Uh, you know, the, these taxes, these sales, a lot of these municipalities that are putting taxes on, they have a school tax, they have a fire department tax, so it's actually going to improve infrastructure right. big time. Oh, if you don't fine. think that it's going to... Right. If you don't think it's going to help Missourians, dude, look at what it's doing in Colorado, look at what yeah. it's doing in Illinois, look at what it's doing... You know what I mean? Like so, They've had it in full effect over 10 years in Colorado. And research it. Right. I am Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter as usual. Josh, you can find him on Instagram. He's underscore Josh Welch. For this week, we're out of time. Good night and good luck. Stay safe out there. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. 
Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We will be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcasts. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there. Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI Podcast 22, on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there.